It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six of time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It is a Tuesday. Nice looking out there, too. Weather-wise, we're still doing pretty good. Although, as you just heard in the forecast, 645 is an extended weather forecast. Yeah, colder weather is coming, some disruptions, but it's just getting here nice and slow, which is not a complaint. Now, the only real news to start your day, and I mean to start because I got some real news later on, is your Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C., is right now doing the same things that got the last speaker fired. The idea of continuing resolutions so we don't end up uh, with the government shutdown because we're going to run out of money by Friday. So he's trying to kick the can down the road again. Uh, We we already went through this. But I'm not going to really lead off with that. I'm just watching how this develops because, again, by Friday, we're supposed to be out of money and your Congress never learns. Either party, they never do. But hang on. First two stories I really have for you this morning are just something to help make your day. Trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Okay, let's see. Which one first? Let's do the drunk man first, because that's always kind of fun. Going to take you up to Gillette, Wyoming. Man drank 20 beers. Okay, first off, damn. I'm not even a drinker. Man drank 20 beers. Before driving into Donkey Creek, police say. Okay, see, now, that's what it takes you to drive into Donkey Creek. Drink 20 beers. then, And I know where Donkey Creek is. It's actually, it's it's one of those creeks that cuts deep into the landscape. You, you can walk along and see a nice, smooth, grassy area. And all of a sudden, there's this rather deep pit that's been dug that if you jumped into it I'm a little over six foot tall and I would it, I would yeah it would cover me up entirely reach the top of my it's got to be about six foot down at least that's Donkey Creek and then it comes up abruptly on the other side it's not as wide as you might think it is but okay here's the story at 2.11 a.m. well of course it was 2.11 a.m. November 12th just double checking here because I think that was a yep it was not it was a Sunday night oh he oh, better get right with God I was expecting that to be a Saturday night police arrested a single vehicle well they, they responded to a single vehicle accident Butler's space in Lakeway a 33 year old man owner of the vehicle reported a 29 year old man crashed his 2012 Dodge Ram into the creek according to the police department. 
Upon contact, the officers found the 29-year-old appeared to be under the influence of alcohol. But what was their first clue? The 20 beer cans? And signs of impairment, slurred speech, poor balance. Yeah, and admitted to consuming about 20 beers. For you drinkers out there, how much work is it to consume 20 beers? I mean, the number of trips you would have to take to the pissatorium. I mean, please. That's a lot of beer to consume. I mean, you're going to be up all night long just draining, okay? I don't know if I would want to drink that much just because of I don't want to spend that much time standing in front of the toilet relieving myself. But all right. That's the first story I have for you. The second one up. Now, don't get too excited. This is not what you think. And that's what... Walmart is saying that was not what we were going for. Sometimes it's just unfortunate. Let me back up a little bit. There's a television cartoon for adults. And in this, the organization, it's supposed to be some uh, takeoff uh, spoof on spy things like 007 and so on. And in it, for the longest time, the organization was known as ISIS. Yeah, the good guys. Until we were attacked by a group in the Middle East known as ISIS. Oh, suddenly the television show had to change their name. So Walmart tried to do something on a bag. If you were going to buy a certain thing at their, I'm sorry, was it Walmart? Kmart, yeah. If you're going to buy a certain item at their grocery area, you would have a bag that said Mary Hamas. Yeah. Why would they have Mary Hamas? Why would they do that? Okay. The idea behind this very, I'm looking at the bag. It's a very decorative bag. It's, it looks nice. But the idea is here comes Christmas time, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, and you're going to buy a ham. So this decorative bag, so you could carry your ham out. Merry ham mass. Instead of Christmas, ham mass. Get it? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And so Kmart had bought just a bunch of these bags. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many of these bags they bought. Because they thought this was just a great idea. Then Israel is attacked by Hamas. <laughs> And so all of a sudden, the marketing department is going, oh, crap. That has to happen. All right, here's the story. Kmart has removed Christmas-themed drawstring bags from their shelves after users on social media pointed out it resembled support for the Hamas terrorist organization. Imagine what the shoppers thought. (laughs) The $4, although people who support Hamas would probably want those bags. I, I think Kmart could make their money back. The $4 holiday bag intended to store in the fridge sports a, a festival, festivist decoration such as mistletoe, Christmas trees, and written on it in big letters is Mary Hamas. Not Hamas, but H-A-M-M-A-S. Uh, the merchandise was initially criticized by the Australian Jewish Association. Kmart, uh, Check out specials. This was, yeah, again, a great idea. All right. Although this is potentially funny, 
some people are saying, it really doesn't look good. We suspect some product manager may cause the company some embarrassment, so we politely have written uh, to suggest that everybody just, you know, all stores all over the world just pull it, which they're doing. Other social media users also commented on the ill-conceived product, many suggesting they should focus their attention elsewhere. Well, it goes on about people with all sorts of comments on it. I just think it's unfortunately funny. Although, again, I'm going to say, I think Kmart can make their money back to people who support Hamas. This is like the perfect gift for them. Right? Although, although sell it to them in bulk. They'll love it next time they go to a pro-Hamas march. Morning, Rianne. Uh Don't know, says Rianne, takes three beers to put me to bed. So how'd this guy consume? Do you think he was just bragging or something Jim and Casper the problem is most people supporting Hamas won't eat the ham yes <laughs> you got a great point there but no you can't just don't give them the ham just sell them the bags that way at least Kmart makes money back on the bags right 615 wake up my own got something to say call 888-97-WOODS or chat with Glenn on the wake up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio 6.2 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Now, again, I'll get to the real news, and I got loads of real news piled up for you here. But, you know, sometimes early in the morning, let's just do something else for a bit. So, uh, Jim, I just sent this to you. We were just chatting about it online. Jim's a private pilot. Love talking aviation with Jim. So, this I thought was fun. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, I had done a story about Wyoming's intergalactic spaceport. Yes, Wyoming actually has an official intergalactic spaceport. And every so often, either I'll write an update on the story or some other news organization. Well, Cowboy State Daily, the news organization I go to daily, wrote a story yesterday. Why the heck does Green River, Wyoming have an intergalactic spaceport? And they go into what I've talked about as well in the past is the history of this. At the time that they decided to name it this, there was a Jupiter getting hit by what was called the String of Pearls, but it was Shoemaker-Levy 9 was a comet. And the first time Shoemaker-Levy 9 went by Jupiter, Jupiter's gravity broke it up into a series of smaller comets, but still each one was still pretty sizable. The original Shoemaker-Levy 9 was a big comet. Now it's a whole line of smaller ones they called the String of Pearls. That came around and back to Jupiter again. This time it was going to hit the planet. And I remember staying up late. At the time, the best way to do it was on the Internet. Back then, Internet was young and still dial-up. I, I don't even think America Online was still around. Then. I, don't, I think that was a new thing. But I was able to watch uh, online as NASA and other organizations posted pictures of the comet hitting Jupiter. And leaving big white, uh, on the picture anyway, there'd be a big white flash as each piece hit Jupiter. And then as the planet continued to rotate, we could see in the clouds the scarring, these big black spots left by where these pieces had hit, which, of course, eventually were swallowed up by the gas giant, right? 
as that was happening, Green River decided, look, if there's anyone from Jupiter that needs to evacuate, we have this airstrip out here near Green River. And the airstrip near Green River is just, it's on a bit of a high plateau, a little bit. And they just plowed the top flat and then laid down some gravel and grass and whatever. And that's it. It's very basic. But they called that, that was the Green River Airport, if you will, or airstrip. Nothing else to it, just that strip where people could land on. And so they called it the Green River Intergalactic Airport. So that's the history of that. Well, over time, people started to have more fun with it, much like when Douglas, a couple of guys at a bar in Douglas, came up with the idea of the jackalope. Green River came up with this idea. And then people started going out there and decorated it. Now if you go out there, there's all sorts of UFO decorations out there. It's a lot of fun. If you go, there's a map. And I put this in the story on the Wake Up Wyoming site. If you want to see, if you're not familiar with this, there's a map. uh, It's called a sectional chart. And sectional because it'll take, for example, the United States. Back when these maps were paper. And it split them up into sections. So sectional chart. And it's the kind of chart that pilots will look at when planning a flight out or while flying that flight. Now, most of these are online now. You can still get the paper maps, but the vast majority of people just look up this stuff online. So I took a screenshot of an online sectional chart and said, here's what one looks like. And I have an area. I just selected an area of the Laramie Range, which includes Casper on down to Wheatland and you know places like that. Uh, the whole Laramie range in there. And you can see what pilots look at when they're planning the flight. But then I went and zoomed into Green River, Wyoming. And there, on the official government sectional chart for pilots, it is written, Greater Green River Intergalactic. Now, they didn't include spaceport because they're trying to not be too wordy and save space on the map. The map's already kind of cluttered as it is. If you go and check it out officially, the FC, the FAA officially does say Greater Green River Intergalactic Spaceport. It's actually listed that way. On the sectional chart, they just went Greater Green River Intergalactic. All right. But there it is. It's listed. To my knowledge, the only place on the planet that has an official intergalactic spaceport to welcome aliens from another planet is Wyoming, specifically Green River, Wyoming. I don't know of anywhere else. Now, of course, I've written in the past that Wyoming actually has two spaceports. The other one would be Devil's Tower. You might have seen the documentary Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, no, that's a documentary, just so you know. But yeah, you might have seen that one. So that's an, uh, but it's not officially designated by the FAA as, as a spaceport. They should, but they have it. I think it is a spaceport off the record, unofficially. They just don't want to talk about it, as you saw on the documentary Close Encounters of the Third Time. But okay, yes, you can actually see it for those who are unfamiliar with what a sectional chart looks like. You can see on uh, on those maps for pilots. The FAA listed it officially. So Wyoming has a, an official intergalactic spaceport, and I don't know of anywhere else on the planet that does. 
Morning, Iody John. He's in Granite Canyon. Morning, Glenn. If you landed your plane at the spaceport, does it make you a space cadet? Yes. So I'll have to do that. While Bill and Laramie, I thought Devil's Tower was the intergalactic landing strip. I think it is. It's just not official. Because, again, as you watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind, they were just not officially stating that it was. That was off the record. We all know how the government is with stuff like that. It happens a lot more. All right, real news. Sure, I'll get you up to some real news in the next segment coming up on some local news. Right after that, update on your weather forecast, and you and I get back into it. It's Wake Up Wyoming. The only show broadcasting from a bunker under Devil's Tower. Let's hold down here. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. 6 a.m. weekdays on AM 1030 and FM 95.1. 6.36 of time. So, okay, more serious news here. Let's go to University of Wyoming. That sorority where some of the girls filed a lawsuit against the sorority because there's a trans person who shows up and they said, hold on, this is supposed to be for biological women. Get this trans out of here, right? And, of course, they have not, the, the ladies who have filed that lawsuit have not been winning that lawsuit in, in court so far, mainly because the organization is a private organization and they get to make their own rules, according to the court. Of course, the ladies filing the lawsuit, their answer is, hey, um, we had an agreement here, and you're changing the terms of the agreement. That's not what we agreed to. This was supposed to be strictly just biological women. That's where the argument is right now. Okay, so the latest. Two longtime Wyoming sorority alumni, I mean longtime, have been removed from the organization after advocating that membership be restricted to biological women only. They have been with Kappa Kappa Gamma for over 50 years at the University of Wyoming. So, yeah, there's a lot of women who were there while they were in college, but after they leave college, they continue to be part of the organization, hence alumni, right? So they were expelled after fundraising and supporting a lawsuit aimed to remove transgender the transgender member in question. So on the cable news show Fox and Friends First, the alumni and a plaintiff, so with their lawyer and so on. Really disappointed to hear that we're being dismissed because this is a retaliation against women and it's supposed to be an organization meant for women. And, you know, you can imagine the reaction and you can watch the interview because I put the Fox News interview up in my story on the Wake Up Wyoming site. So University of Wyoming Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority sued, as I just explained, the organization over that inclusion of a trans person. And they all go ahead and, and make all of their complaints, including, hey, uh, this person has been into voyeurism, peeping on them while they're in intimate situations. I mean, they, they think that this is a person that's just creeping on them. And that's one of the reasons they say they want this trans person out of there. Okay, so the lawsuit continues again. So far... The ladies involved in the lawsuit have not been winning in court, and they keep appealing. And that's mainly because the court sees it as a private organization, and according to the charter, if they want to change some of the rules, they can go ahead and change some of the rules. It's a private organization. If you don't like it, go start your own organization. That's essentially what the courts are saying at this point. 
Now, I look at this and think, okay, here's what they can do. If they want just biological women, nobody else, nobody who identifies as or as surgery for or whatever, they just want pure biological women. Their options are, one, yes, you can go to court and sue. Two, how do the people in charge of these decisions get to be in charge? Are they, I don't know, I'm not a member, of course, but uh, are they elected? How does this happen? Do they just work their way up through the organization? Are they hired? I don't know how this starts. Is it possible to rotate them out? In other words, could they get a vote going to rotate out the people who are the decision makers if that indeed is how their organization is maintained? I don't know. But if that's the case, try that. If none of this works, then as much as they might love their sorority, it might be the option, well, then just start your own. If you can't change it through lawsuits or can't change it through elections or however else it works inside there, then start your own, make your own rules and keep it that way. And I know some of these ladies look at their sorority as something they've been involved in for a very long time and they don't want to go start their own. They want to maintain their sorority as they've always known it and as they love it. So they're not going anywhere else, which is why they continue to fight like this. But I look at this as also the, the same outside of a sorority for anywhere else in America, from your local government all the way up to the federal government. Our choices are we can vote to rotate people out and make changes. That's one way to do it. The other option is to check out and go somewhere else. That's basically the options we have here in America. One of the things that formed America is because people who are in England and other parts of Europe could not make any changes. Oh, you mean there's this free country called America? So they came here. That's also part of why we had an expansion out west. The expansion west in large part was because God, your East Coast is just a mess these days. God, can't stand it anymore. So people came out to find freedom again. Well, we kind of ran out of places to go. Unless you want to go to Mars. We were kind of running out of places to go. So you might just have to stay and, and do battle here. Now, I just see what's happening at University of Wyoming as here are your options on a planet-wide scale. And that even includes the state of Wyoming. 642, wake up. And we're we were busy tricking pescatarians into eating Rocky Mountain oysters. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods. Six forty-eight to time. Off we go to the ice box. Frank and Beano's waiting by. Okay, Frank, I'll give you a choice. I'm going to get you up to speed on what we've been talking about this morning. Hey, okay, would you? Hey, hey. okay, then you went with the spaceport one. <laughs> you had a choice between aliens or beer. Oh, beer. Oh, you want beer. You want beer. You want beer for beer. Okay. This is a story that it's very typical for certain states. Like when I tell you where this happened, you'd expect me to say something like Alabama, right? Something like that. Or Wyoming, for that matter. Mm -hmm. A man, now this this part is alleged, allegedly drank 20 beers. That's a lot of beer. That's a lot of time. You're not going to feel good the next day, I can tell you that. that, Boy, that's a lot of time in front of the urinal. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Do you imagine loading all of that? You're going to be up all You're not going to get any sleep. Before driving into Donkey Creek in Gillette. 
<laughs> oh, he had 20 beers and drove into the creek. Yes, that's right. Yeah. What a surprise. What a surprise there. Yeah, okay. And then it goes through the story about how police officers found the guy. And uh, he had said himself. Now, I'm surprised he's able to talk. Now, I know this is going to come as a shock, Frank. The guy's speech was slurring. Okay. And he couldn't walk straight. Okay. And then he turned to the police and somehow managed to use his voice and said that he had about 20 beers, which is why I kind of doubt the 20 beer thing. I mean, how many can you have, Frank? Oh, 20 is way, way, way. That's way up there. I don't think that that's possible. Way too much. Yeah. So he uh, did not pass go. No. Did not collect $200. Straight into Donkey Creek. Yeah. Now, I know where, as I'm reading this, having lived in the area, I know what they're talking about. So there's a nice, flat, grassy area. Okay. But be careful because suddenly there is this little canyon that runs through it, which is about six foot deep. It's not very wide, and that's Donkey Creek. Oh, it's like a... Like a Drainage canal? Uh, Well, yeah, built by the creek itself. Oh, okay. okay. All the land around is nice and flat, except for the creek itself. So, yeah, this guy decided to take his 2012 Dodge Ram into the creek, which, of course, doesn't work out even when you're sober. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, you can drive into the creek. Are you going to get out of the creek? Uh, Yeah, you're not getting. The way this creek is, the way the drop-off is, if you drove into the creek, you're not getting out of the creek. So. When, if it is, uh, now this is the horrible point. I, I hope someone doesn't tell his mother. It happened not on the Saturday night, but on the Sunday night. Sunday night? Yeah. She'd be home. Yes, right. Because, I mean, if, Watching he, football. if he did make it home after that many beers, what condition is he going to be in for work the next day? Uh, not very good. The National Football League from last night, the Denver Broncos are now 4-5 and five on the year after a 24-22 row win over Buffalo. Bills must have thought it was Christmas because they just gave the game away with mistakes and just stupid penalties. Biggest miscue is 12 men on the field on a late field goal attempt by Will Lutz of the Broncos, which he missed from 41 yards out. However, the penalty gave Lutz another chance from 36 yards out, and he made it to win the game. Broncos have found some traction with quarterback Russell Wilson playing better. He was 24-29 for 192 yards and two touchdowns. The Bills are 5-5, five and five and they've been the most disappointing team in the NFL considering all the talent they have. They were just sloppy and they turned the ball over four times. Quarterback Josh Allen threw two interceptions. He was 15 of 26 for 177 yards. That was bad football from that team in a lot of respects. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will try and pick up the pieces yet again after a 34-14 road loss to UNLV to drop them to 6-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three in Mountain West Conference play. Folks will host Hawaii this week in Laramie. The Warriors are 4-7 and seven on the year, 2-4 and four in league play. Cowboys were just listless in the first quarter of that UNLV game as the Rebels had put 21 points on the board and didn't show much in the fourth quarter either. The head coach is probably ultimately responsible for getting guys ready to play, but Craig Bull made a really good point. He said, hey, the players need to get with it, and they need to be ready to play too, i.e. the disastrous game at Boise State and now the UNLV game. On the right side, Cowboys are bowl eligible, but they've been stuck in neutral lately. UW is favored by 13.5 points for that Hawaii game on Saturday. It'll start at noon at War Memorial Stadium. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio in Casper and KOWB in Laramie. Women's college basketball at the Division One level. The Wyoming Cowgirls on the road tonight to meet Denver University. 
Elkgrove lost to Nebraska back on Friday in Laramie, 71-52, and the execution of that game for UW wasn't very crisp. Both teams are 1-1. That's a 6 p.m. start tonight from DU. College Junior college basketball, the Casper College men lost 2 out of 3 in the College of Southern Idaho tournament over the weekend. They were beaten by Yavapai, Arizona, 84-83. Southern Idaho, 80-68, and B Community Christian, 114-62. So they're 3-3 three and three on the year. They'll be at Snow College in Utah on Friday. The Casper College women lost to NJC from Sterling, Colorado their last time out, 75 50 51, so they're 1-2. They'll host NJC on Friday at the Erickson Gym. The LCCC men's basketball team, 3-1. and one. They lost to Western Nebraska back on Wednesday in overtime, 110-105. The Golden Eagles will be at Lamar tonight. And the LCCC women's basketball team, 2-2, two and two, losing to Western Nebraska 80-61. They will be in the Utah Eastern Tournament later on this week. So I'm thinking, okay, if our team goes to Hawaii, they all get that little ring of flowers. Yeah, yeah but, but Hawaii is right. coming here. Yeah, okay, so Hawaii's coming here, so we give them Rocky Mountain oysters. Uh, pretty much, And yeah. say it's a tradition, so you have to. Yeah, you know what? Those guys, I mean, the, the, the Hawaii the, the Hawaii team, it's great when you play at home for them, but those yeah. are long road trips, and you end up like, you go from Honolulu to Laramie, Wyoming? Uh, yeah. But hey, look, at least they get, well... No, I was about no. to say, at least they, they, there's the mountains and so on, but they have that in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, maybe it'll be below zero. Who knows? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Thanks, Frank. Let's wake up, Wyoming. time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It's a Tuesday. So I'm putting all the news aside for just a bit because I came across a book that's coming out, which I thought you guys might be interested in. On the line with me, we'll be talking to Mark Miller. Some of you might recognize that name. Mark was raised on a family ranch in Carmen County and worked there for about 33 years. After he finished his PhD in anthropology, following graduate work, he became Wyoming State Archaeologist held that position for 30 years until 2014 then he retired mark wrote about his well his first historic non-fiction crime drama about big nose george and i think i might have read that one too in the meantime though he's been enjoying retired life which for i guess a guy like you mark you never really stop do you even though you're retired well you got to keep busy doing something yeah i've always loved to write and it took me most of my life to learn how to do it yeah. Oh no, it's a concept. I do it myself with the occasional book now and then. And I think I don't. It's like for those people who love golf, you never really master it, do you? There's always just something else that's going to change. Especially as you get older and more experienced, everything about writing is going to change for you. So, oh, I, I think so. And if, if you get a good editor or something like that, and you yeah. work with them, they might find the perfect word for something you're trying to convey and. That's yeah. a wonderful feeling. It is, especially when I have an editor turn to me and say, have you thought about your words in this way? Maybe you're not quite giving exactly the picture that you wanted to give. I've learned a lot from some good editors out there. Your latest one, is it coming out soon or is it out now? It's uh, going to be out uh, in the spring of 2024. Okay. I think in April or May. We're doing the, the hard final editing on it now. Okay. Sometimes Paradise. Where does that title come from? Uh, my head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, was, I was thinking about the, 
the the good and the bad that I grew up in out at the ranch and realized that sometimes it was wonderful and sometimes it wasn't. So that's yeah. where I came up with it. Are you still, after even with all that you've been doing, you know, working for the state and even retiring now, are, have you been ranching all of this time? No, no. We we left ranching, uh, the, my family, mm-hmm. in uh, the 1980s. And uh, shortly after that, I... I'd already had my Ph.D. by then, and right. I, I got the job as state archaeologist like a month after we left the ranch. It was good timing. <laughs> How do you even get the idea that you want to be the state archaeologist? Where where does that you know, inspiration come from? Well, uh, it comes from uh, a time I met Dr. George Frizen, who was Wyoming's first state archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Um he was out on our ranch doing an excavation one time and uh my dad took me over and introduced me and uh the rest of it is part of the story that's in the book okay. but it, it was and i was already uh um, in school i've been going to school at uw for two years but i didn't know what to major in and and dad had some opinions and <laughs> There, that's kind of one thing led to another. Okay. When you're growing up in a place like Carbon County, boy, talk about small-town rural life out there. I, that's really a rough place to grow up. Where exactly were you? Um, the ranch was... Uh, well, we we had a home in Rollins when my brother and I were older and going to school and stuff like that, but we'd go out to the ranch all the time. And it was uh, along the North Platte River... Uh, for those of you that know that area north of Sinclair, where Seminole Reservoir is now, we were all along the western margin of that, clear to the Seminole Mountains and to the Great Divide Basin to the west. So it was a, it was a big piece of country. Hmm. So in fact, since you uh, were state archaeologist for a time, I recently, oh, I got to tell you this story. <clears throat> Just between you and me, no one else listening, right? Okay. <laughs> so I found out about the what's left of the town of Carbon, which is in Carbon County, you know, below Medicine Bow there, right? Right. And I went down there and took a look at the graveyard. And then I went walking through where the town was, what's left of the town, and had a friend of mine who's a photographer taking pictures of, and you've probably seen it yourself, what's left of the buildings, the walls and stuff like that. And one of the things I like to study, different kinds of sciences, and one of them is geology. And I look down, and I see something small, like a pebble. And I think, well, that doesn't make sense. That's green. And there's coal seams visible. There's iron ore rocks all over the place. Why is there a green pebble? And as I get closer to it and reaching down, I'm thinking, this looks to me to be like something you'd find at the bottom of a riverbed. You know how riverbed stones are always shaped the same way for a specific reason. But as I pick it up, I realize, no, not at all. It's a tiny button. And as I get close and look at it, it's the kind of button that would come off of the shirt cuff of someone who rode cavalry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Insignia button. Yes, exactly. I had to look that up to find exactly what that is. I just thought I'd throw that out to you because I came across something which I thought, what are the odds of my eyeballs connecting with that? It's only because (laughs) it had turned green that it had done that. Yeah. Well, a colleague of mine, Alexander Kelly, uh, at the university is doing work at Carbon now trying to record 
the location of all the buildings and correlate them to oh. early historic photos and stuff like that. And so there's there's some contemporary archaeology going on there during the warm season. <laughs> oh, during the warm season. Okay, I'd like to get... And, and in the cemetery at Carbon, there's a headstone for Robert Whittlefield, who is one of the two law enforcement officers killed by Big Nose and the gang in 1878. Wow. So okay. there's there's good history there. There's real good history there, too, yeah. Okay, so now, as you're putting this book together, how long has it taken to write this particular book? <laughs> a long time. I, uh, I started writing rough chapters, rough stories 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of record things that I remembered growing up, because it was a good time for me to focus on on writing, and it, it just kind of matured over that course. I'd say the last three or four years, it's been serious, and revising it, and re-revising it, and getting a publisher, and, and everything, so... Uh, it's almost, we're almost there, and um, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> okay, no, I get that. I get that. Uh, after a while, as much as you might love that book, there's got to be a time when you've got to say, okay, time mm-hmm. to move on from this. So, in part of what I read about the book, it talks about the enduring spirit of the American West and the people who call it home. And I do notice, because I grew up on an island off the west coast of Florida, just above the Everglades, so I'm about three miles off the coast. I was an an island boy. Jimmy Buffett sang about my hometown, right? (laughs) Moving out here, though, I noticed there's a definite culture where I came from. Appalachian Mountains have a definite culture. But when you're out Uh west in the middle of Wyoming, there is a specific culture to the people out here that makes sense not just to the land, but the kind of people who want to live on it. Oh, I, I think so. I, I grew up around in that culture, actually. And when I was a pup, uh, the older ranchers in Carbon County were probably some of the best people I've ever known my entire life. Because when you move on into different professions and people you're working with are younger and more diverse and doing this, that, it's you, you, you lose that connection. And there, there's a stoicism out there. There's a, a neighborliness out there. Um, and, you know, they give you the shirt off their back if you needed one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better context in which to grow up. Okay. So the book that will be coming out is called Sometimes Paradise. A sometimes Paradise. A sometimes Paradise, right. And, and it's the reflections on life in a Wyoming ranch. Okay. Family. And you say in 2024, first of the year? Um, I'm thinking spring, April, okay. May, somewhere in there. Okay. Let's keep in touch because I'll go ahead and talk about you, do a little bit of a write-up when the book comes on out uh, between now and then since you got... Are you still working on editing it or is it finally heading out? Yeah, well, we are. We're, we're going over each chapter one more time and okay. and finding that perfect word if we can, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Um and I'll be doing that over the next uh, few months. So, right. okay. uh, staying right into it. Okay. I'll keep in touch with you and, and make sure to contact you as we get closer to that release date. Mark, thanks for coming on this morning. Thank you very much. I appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again. It's Wake Up Wyoming. The best talk show host in the state. With Tune in to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Wood. Windows at 6. Twenty 
once a time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. Okay, so I want to get back to something now that has to do with the whole cult of climate change thing. I got an interesting update about their failure. But since we are talking doomsday cult here, which is what they are, sometimes I like to change up the song that I play to open something So like put this. on your respirator And let's fix that generator And while we're out We'll mend our fences too See I'm not afraid of dying Just got reasons for surviving I want one more day in the apocalypse with you yeah, finally the end comes. So, first off is the story, The and I've been watching this for quite a while. When you take a look at North Africa and into the Middle East, all of that desert, all of that sand, that didn't used to be that way. That used to be one of the most lush, green, and wet areas on the planet. Now it's just sand dunes. But as archaeologists dig into it, get underneath the sand, they keep finding more and more evidence of, well, trees, life, animals, paleontologists are in there too. But archaeologists finding ancient civilizations because all of North Africa and the Middle East was green and wet. That's why it was the cradle of human civilization as near as we can tell because it was so fertile. What happened? Well, the climate changed for various reasons. The climate changed. But Sahara desert experts say the desert is shrinking I've been reporting on that for quite a few years, but this expert says, calls climate alarmist tipping points complete nonsense. He's not supposed to say that this guy's a scientist and 99% of scientists agree. Now, okay, so this Australian scientist has posted a video on a prominent geologist uh, website. He is an award-winning geologist and climate researcher at the University of Cologne, and specializes in studying the Eastern Sahara Desert and its climate history. He's been active uh, for about 40 years in that field. So he contradicts climate alarmists, saying the desert area is rapidly shrinking. It's getting greener. He confirms that the last ice age ended some 12,000 years ago, turned green with vegetation, a whole area teeming with wildlife, numerous bodies of water. That was about five to 10,000 years ago. Later, he explains, the Eastern Sahara climate was reconstructed using a vast multitude of sediment cores and proxy data and so on. And he says the most important studies that we have conducted all show that after the Ice Age, global temperatures rose quite a bit, and they still are. We're still coming out of that last Ice Age. Just so you know, monsoon rains increased, groundwater rose. All of this led to vegetation and wildlife taking hold over thousands of years. That's where, again, North Africa and the Middle East was green and lush and wet. Then over the past 10,000 years, the region dried out. It didn't happen all of a sudden. As climate models suggest, it's been happening over time. When asked about dramatic tipping points such as those predicted by the cult of climate change, he says, no, he doesn't believe there is a crisis scenario happening. Now, again, this is a geologist and a climate scientist. 
He said he called the notion of CO2-induced climate tipping points scientifically outlandish. Wow, he's not supposed to be doing that because he's, again, a geologist and a climatologist. Now, on that note, I've talked about this within the, well, over a long period of time. But yesterday I talked about this. I'm not big on polls, but let's go ask people what they think. Pew Research, major respected polling, ask people their priorities and climate change on a word, whether it was Gallup and whether it was uh, all these different international and national polling firms would find climate was ranked 18, 19 out of 20, 20 out of 20, 10 out of 10. Even Gallup one year found among environmental issues, and this Mm. wasn't that long ago, five years ago, that climate was dead last among environmental issues. It's always been dead last to the general public. And I've often said that because when you take a look at the way people, not just in America, but worldwide live, compare, forget what they say. If you ask someone, do you believe that humans are causing climate change and we should do something? Oh, gosh, yes. Then you take a look at their lifestyle. Big house, multitude of cars, et cetera, et cetera. Are they honest? Do they really believe it? It doesn't look that way. Doesn't look like Leonardo DiCaprio or Al Gore believes it. Meantime, our government continues to push, push us. And it doesn't matter. Your opinion on this, by the way, doesn't matter to them. They recognized this years ago, and I still say March 2020 changed the whole mindset. They no longer cared about whether the public was behind it or whether they had to sell it. They introduced the Green New Deal in Congress in the United States, never scheduled a vote, never voted on it, never had hearings, never did anything. They don't need it because everything's bypassing democracy, corporate government collusion now when it comes to this agenda, every cabinet agency. And then you add in the Inflation Reduction Act, which has brought in hundreds of billions of dollars now and with trillions committed and it's particularly insidious because decades into the future regardless of how green energy is doing they're going to keep funding it and mandating it in the meantime it's collapsing the whole green movement wind and solar and electric cars it is in complete collapse around the world because green energy is collapsing no one's really noticing and when i say green energy is collapsing i mean there's at least a dozen major offshore wind projects on the u.s east coast belly up this is despite massive subsidies massive tax credits massive bans of their competition i.e fossil fuels they can't make it work they can't even get a profit then you have the electric car collapse, both in Europe and the United States. Remember, they're banning gas-powered cars. Never a vote of Congress, no vote of anyone anywhere. I mean, even California, the, the heart, this epicenter of this, California legislator never voted. This was all done by executive order, unelected bureaucrats, corporate government collusion. You have banks saying they won't give out car loans. You have the World Bank saying they're going to defund electric cars. We now have the CEOs of just about every major Western automaker from Mercedes to Volkswagen to Ford. Chrysler all saying EVs, this is not working. They're piling up on our lots. We are hemorrhaging money. And as they're saying this, they're looking at the next 10 years and all the mandates are coming in more. Government doesn't care. This is an ideology like the Soviet Union. It's like it's like the old Soviet playbook. You're studying Soviet central planning. They're going forward with this statutorily in our books. But finally, we're getting the CEOs to come back. And it's all falling apart. I'm just not working out. All right, coming up. Well, public opinion or as well as just trying to create all of this wind and salt and electric cars. It's just not working out for them. Coming up on local news, right after local news update on the weather forecast, and you and I get back into it again. 745, I'll have day weather on live with me. We'll talk about the forecast, which is stable for the next few days, but it's 
getting toward Thanksgiving, there might be some changes. They're just not quite sure what those changes are yet, but changes are coming. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Honestly, he's just happy to be here. Catch Glenn Woods on Wake Up Wyoming, weekdays at 6 on air, on Alexa, and on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Six thirty, uh, seven thirty-six. The time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Okay, so thank you, Judy Jones, for sending me that story because I was about to talk about something similar. If you're just joining me, I played for you some audio. Uh, the gentleman who does the website Climate Depot, but also some stories that show how all of this wind, solar, and electric cars are just failing, despite all of the government pushing for it. It's just failing. Wind farms around the globe and many here in America are just not even being built or failing altogether. Same thing with the solar. Electric cars, a lot of car companies pretty much just given up on them because they're making them, they're filling the lots, but then they're not selling, just sitting there. So car manufacturers want to get out of it as well. So I looked at that and thought, well, why should Wyoming then continue with carbon capture and sequestration or getting with Colorado and capturing carbon directly out of the air like the governor wants us to do or putting up more wind farms and so on if this stuff is failing like it is? Or for that matter, we were involved in a program a while ago to try to get more charging stations across the state of Wyoming. Well, stop it. No more. Now, that was put on hold for a different reason, but still... This is failing, so quit getting in. We shouldn't have been involved in it before. Here's the story Judy sent me from Blaze Media. In Wyoming, cheap electricity is gone with the wind. Governor Mark Gordon defines his all-of-the-above approach, green energy boondoggle as good policy, says the story. But ratepayers are learning the hard truth. Wind power is neither cheap, clean, or effective. The story says, once upon a time... Wyoming enjoyed the lowest electricity rates in the nation thanks to their supremacy in coal production, a state rich of God's natural energy, now facing up to a 30% increase in electricity rates thanks to Republican Governor Mark Gordon, says the story, uh, and who needs cheap natural fuel when you can have expensive, inefficient wind power. Last week, Wall Street Journal reported that Rocky Mountain Power, state's largest utility company, is announcing a nearly 30% rate hike due to rising costs. Residents responded with outrage. And we all know this because we're here in Wyoming, you know, and I'm telling you about it all the time. But again, this is the Blaze Media, you know, Glenn Beck. They had thought with good reason that the state's abundance of resources would shield them from national trends. The state's Public Service Commission is expected to vote on whether to sign off on the increase later this month. Although the price of fuel has gone up everywhere, the culprit here, says the story, is Gordon's decision to hop on the green energy bandwagon and divert resources away from useful fuels. Now, I think they might be laying into Gordon a bit too much. It's not all entirely him. Okay. I mean, what form of energy we're going to use is not not entirely up to Mark Gordon. Just so you know. So I do think this story lays too much blame on him. Although we need to get out of the whole idea of carbon sequestration for one thing. But all right. 
Uh, story says coal plants accounted for about 71% of the electricity produced in Wyoming in 2022, down from a peak 97% in 2003, but still second highest in the nation after West Virginia. So what changed? Wind power now accounts for 22% of the share, more than double just uh, the past three years. Now, again, they blame Mark Gordon because it says under Gordon. It's, it's more than just him. Does he play a part? A little bit, sure. But I think the blaze needs to take a look at the bigger picture here. So the story says Gordon claims to support coal. The trouble is that he's shackled to uh, he, the carbon capture thing. This is where they get into Gordon and carbon capture. An expensive and cumbersome process designed to sequester carbon dioxide, which he considers a greenhouse gas. You and I exhale it with every breath we take, says the story. As American Enterprise Institute senior fellow explains, if someone, if somehow we succeed in capturing 10% of greenhouse gases, it would cost about $265 billion per year, and that's at the low end. It's no wonder even the leftists in Norway have halted carbon capture products due to the exorbitant costs of this. Gordon, true believer. Spoke recently at Harvard University. Now, you and I went through all of that, where he promoted wind and solar and talked about being carbon negative, which is also an impossibility. Uh, the very push to subsidize and mandate other expensive forms of energy that cause coal to become less profitable and more expensive. Now, the story goes on like this. Again, thank you for quite a while. Thank you, Judy, for sending me the story. I'll dig into this and probably talk about it a bit but also post something on it on the Wake Up Wyoming site. Because it's interesting that the blaze gets into this. The only complaint I had with the article is they're laying too much blame on Mark Gordon. you got to include, uh, well, the Biden administration, the bureaucracy in this. Uh, also, just the Democrat Party, yes, as well. But also even some Republicans who have been on this in the House and Senate as well. There's a lot of blame to go around. It's not just... The governor. He's part of it, though. 742, wake up. He's not a politician, but his pants are on fire. Could someone grab an extinguisher? Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Seven forty-five is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don. What's all from day weather about the weather that's out there today? And other than some breezy in some areas, uh, it's been nice out there for this time of year. I think, Don. Yeah, there's a lot of areas that are waking up to some very warm temps. If you're in the southeast around Wheatland and Torrington, you're already in the lower 50s down there. We've got some pretty good 40-degree readings around Cheyenne, the capital city, and near Pine Bluffs. Central and northern areas, still a blend of the 30s and 40s. But yeah, really just nice November weather continues to spread across the region today. A little bit of a breakup midweek, though not much, right? Yeah, we do have a fast-moving front that's going to drop into northern areas late tomorrow night, continue to move southward along and east of the Continental Divide Thursday morning. And ahead of that front, it is going to generate some stronger wind gusts in the wind-prone areas of I-80 and 25. Central areas around Casper near Outer Drive could get in on some strong wind gusts over 50 miles an hour as well. So if you are traveling those uh, roadways into Thursday morning, be ready for some strong crosswinds. And uh, southern areas may also see areas of light rain, shower activity along and south of I-80, especially Thursday morning. 
we're all hoping that you're planning a nice weekend for us. Well, Friday and Saturday, we're going to kind of quiet things down once again. Uh, so the start of the weekend, going to be nice. Temps still near seasonal or slightly warmer. Sunday should start off the same. But then we might see some more changes move into the region by the end of the weekend, early next week. And I know Don talked yesterday, a lot of wide-ranging uh, possibilities as we get into the week of Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, things are not that much clearer yet. I think conservatively, we can expect maybe some cooler weather and maybe some chances for showers early next week as well, but still going to need a couple days on that one. Okay, see, so here's what I think is going to happen. Where do you plan to be when you're traveling? That's where the bad weather is going to be. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think portions of the uh, western Dakotas, Nebraska, they're probably going to have a better shot at some cooler, unsettled weather early next week than, say, around Casper, northward towards mm-hmm. Buffalo and Gillette. There'll be kind of a donut hole. Western areas might get on some uh, rain and snow shower activity. So, yeah, you're right. It is going to depend on location. Um but again, I would say Eastern Plains areas east of the region probably going to have a little better chance at this time. Right. It's kind of interesting to see the way all of those models finally start coming together as we get closer to the date. All right. Thanks for coming on this morning, Don. Appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Right. Coming on. Well, I, I just know that you want nice travel weather. I was looking at how many people are going to be boarding planes for the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm glad I did not schedule it then. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Ambino. So, I'm flying Friday. Am I okay? You sh- this Friday? Yes, this you should Friday. should be okay. Yeah. yeah, You're ahead of the game. Excellent. I scheduled my vacation. I got a hold of my family, and because I found out I traveled twice down to see my family for the holidays, yeah. like Christmas, Thanksgiving. And said, well, I knew better. And that was stupid. But at least I made it. But, boy, that was stupid. So now what I do, I think I've told you this before, is the week after Thanksgiving is when I go. Right, yeah. Or or the first week of December, give or take. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Because airplane tickets are stupid low. Not just low. Stupid Stupid low. low. Really. I mean, and there's hardly anybody on the airplane. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't remember. Glenn, I can't remember being on a plane in the last five, six, seven years where every seat has been Taken. Yeah, oh, I have a couple of times. But then again, I made the mistake of traveling during the holidays, so I'm not going to well, do that. Well, maybe you flew to Iceland or something. Okay, yeah. now, have you ever just uh, lost, like you are you were working on something, you have tools, yeah. and you lost them. You just forgot, whoops. Hell, a screwdriver, uh, you yeah, know, something like that, that kind yeah. of thing, okay. yeah. Uh, now, how much were those tools? How much did they cost to buy a screwdriver? Four dollars, maybe three dollars. Yeah. So imagine being an astronaut, International Space Station, and you accidentally drop a bag of tools worth several hundred thousand dollars. Um, they, they, you probably shouldn't go home then. Probably not, because right now, according to NASA, if you know what you're looking for and you have a pair of binoculars, you can see the bag up there. So she dropped. Mm-hmm. A bag of tools. Yes. And it just. It's orbiting. Flo- flo- oh, it's orbiting. Yes, it's orbiting can, up there. Can they, can they, can the, uh, s- the, you know, the spaceship kind of like, like, like the space shuttle no. used to, like with the big arm? No, it's too go, far go, away. Go they it? can see it, but it's too far away to get to it. So right now we have this bag. It looks like a big backpack, really, of yeah. tools. And it's just orbiting up there. And again, if you know what you're looking for, you can go ahead out at a certain time at night when it's nice and clear. And look up with a pair of binoculars and goes, oh, there goes a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of tools over my head. Now, NASA does say that at some point, this thing starts to degrade its orbit and it falls back down to Earth and about to Right down. into their toolbox in yes. Huntsville, oh, Alabama. Absolutely. It'll land perfectly exactly where... No, it'll... 
it'll burn up on the way in. They're never going to be able to get to those tools again. It's over with. Over what was her explanation? Uh, well, wait, here's the thing. How do you Isn't, isn't that, that not attached to, to anybody who's See, on a spacewalk? I'm, I'm saying you don't have that tethered to you? Everything like should that. be attached I mean, that you can't yeah. just can float away. You don't just want to go, whoops, I accidentally dropped that. You know, it's bad enough when you drop a wrench on the floor in the garage and everybody here goes clang. You know, but you don't want to drop $200,000 worth of tools. Right, exactly. National Football League, the Denver Broncos are 4-5 and five on the year after a 24-22 road win over Buffalo last night. The Bills must have thought it was Christmas because they gave the game away with mistakes and just stupid penalties. The biggest miscue is 12 men on the field for the Bills on a late field goal attempt by the Broncos' Will Lutz, which he missed from 41 yards out. And the penalty gave Lutz another chance from 36 yards out, and he made it to win the game. And the Broncos have found some traction. His quarterback, Russell Wilson, has played better. He's 24-29 in this game for 192 yards and two touchdowns. The Bills are 5-5, five and five and the, probably the most disappointing team in the NFL considering all the talent they have. They were just sloppy, and they turned the ball over four times. Quarterback Josh Allen threw two interceptions. He was 15 of 26 for 177 yards. Bad football from that team in a lot of respects. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will try and pick up the pieces yet again after a 34-14 road loss to UNLV to drop them the 6-4 and four overall 3-3 three and three in Mountain West Conference play. Pokes will host Hawaii this week and the Warriors are 4-7 and seven on the year and 2-4 and four in league play. Cowboys were just listless in the first quarter of that UNLV game as the Rebels put 21 points on the board in, in the opening quarter and the Pokes didn't show much in the fourth quarter either. The head coach is probably ultimately responsible for getting guys ready to play, but Craig Bull made a good point. So you know what? The players need to get with it, and they need to be ready to play too, i.e. the disastrous game at Boise State and now the UNLV game. On the bright side, the Cowboys are bowl eligible. They've won the bronze boot, but they've been stuck in neutral lately. UW is favored by 13.5 points in Saturday's game that starts at noon at War Memorial Stadium. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio in Casper and KOWB in Laramie. Women's college hoops at the Division One level. The Wyoming Cowgirls on the road tonight to meet Denver University. The Cowgirls lost to Nebraska on Friday, 71-52, and the execution in that game for UW not very crisp. Both teams were 1-1, and and that's our 1-1. That's a 6 p.m. start from DU tonight. Juco basketball, the Casper College men lost 2 out of 3 in the College of Southern Idaho tournament over the weekend. They were beaten by Yavapai, Arizona, 84-83, and Southern Idaho, 80-68, but beat Community Christian, 114-62. So they're 3-3 three three on the year. They'll be at Snow College in Utah on Friday. The Casper College women lost to NJC from Sterling, Colorado, their last time out, 75-51. They're 1-2. They will host NJC on Friday at the Eruption Gym. The LCCC basketball team for the men, 3-1. and one. They lost to Western Nebraska on Wednesday in overtime, 110-105. The Golden Eagles will be at Lamar tonight. And the LCCC women's basketball team, 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Western Nebraska their last time out, 80-61. They will be in the Utah Eastern Tournament later on this week. So, uh, when UW plays Hawaii, you think UW has this game? They, they, oh boy, they I should hope so. Okay. Doesn't Hawaii have to leave Hawaii most every time they play a game? Not every time. They, it's okay. about, they usually play probably more home games, actually. Oh, really? You know, okay, because everybody wants to go to Hawaii. Well, oh, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, oh, schools use it as a recruiting tool. Oh. Like, hey, we are going to Hawaii every other year. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. Going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming.
6 of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Get into open phones if we can in just a bit for now. But Okay. Story from Cowboy State Daily I want to get into with you. We've talked about this a lot because it's important to us. Story says companies say that up to 30% rate increase of your utility bills from Rocky Mountain Power would clobber Wyoming oil and gas. So what's been happening during the hearings is different people getting up and saying this will hurt me in this way. Now, some of them have been just people at home. You know, I own a house, for example, and boy, I got kids and a mortgage and yada, 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 and I got to pay for down my electric bills going up. My property taxes are already going up. Now, here comes my electric bill up to 30%. Are you kidding me? But what about this? Oil and gas, the story says, is long been primary economic driver in Cowboy State. Petroleum Association of Wyoming generates about $2.67 billion in state revenues in 2022, enough to cover 76% of Wyoming's two-year general fund of $3.5 billion. So the president, Pete Obermuller, highlighted the statistics during a recent seven-day hearing before Wyoming Public Service Commission who are examining the near 30% rate increase that was proposed by Rocky Mountain Power. The increase includes 21.9% overall rate hike plus 7.6% temporary increase for recovery of unexpectedly high fuel costs. As much as one-third of Wyoming's production comes from small producers. Now that is important for people to understand. I know most people in this region, not just Wyoming, but in this region understand it. But many people, when they think of oil companies, right away, big oil, evil big oil. Actually, most producers are small mom and pop operations. So, Obermuller said their production might be 2% or less individually of the state's production, but their number is around 400 companies which collectively makes their production quite significant. Quote, these are mom-and-pop operations producing a little at a time that collectively contribute to so much of the Wyoming economy. He said, make no mistake, these smaller companies will experience similar and in some cases worse cost impacts as a percentage of their operating margins. He said, commissioners, there's little doubt in my mind that if the well if this is accepted from Rocky Mountain Power wholesale, a number of these small businesses will not be able to sustain their operations because of electricity costs. So you might think, well, up to thirty percent, that's bad when it comes to your home. But think about when you're running a business which relies on a lot of electricity. So you spend a lot on electricity. But your profit margin is slim. That's the next thing. Well, you're an oil company, therefore you make a ton of money. Probably not. Oftentimes, businesses that make a lot of money, their profit margins are actually slim. Story says that's devastating not only to those companies, but to the communities across Wyoming who those businesses support. So the story says one of those 400 mom and pops that Obermuller referenced in his testimony is Kirkwood Oil and Gas out of Casper. And that's a private family-owned company that has op- been operating since the 1960s, development of new exploratory projects in the state. It operates about 300 oil and gas wells with an average production of less than five barrels per day each. 
that's uh, th- that may not sound like much," said Kirkwood Land Manager uh, Steve Delfinger, who told the Public Service Commission. But in 2022, the company paid over seven million dollars in royalty services and taxes to the state and various counties in Wyoming. That's a lot of taxes. While much of the discussion of Rocky Mountain power rate increase entered, it all centered around residential rates. What about people like these and these mom and pop operations? So he says, the largest oil and gas producers are represented by the Wyoming Industrial Energy Commission. And we certainly appreciate their support, their work in these cases. However, there are hundreds of small oil and gas producers in Wyoming, just like Kirkwood. So their electric bill, picture this, per cost of Kirkwood's top expense, totaling as much as 315000 every month. Imagine that as your electric bill. A 30% rate increase would add up to $94,000 on top of that. This is what I mean by these guys have a huge amount of electricity they have to use to do what they do. A 30% increase would inevitably put pressure on our end, this is a quote, uh, our end-of-life wells, and could very well make them uneconomic, requiring them to be plugged and abandoned. I mean, even though we can get more out of it, it's just not cost-effective anymore, so they just plug it up. When those wells are plugged and abandoned... The associated royalty, severance taxes, and ad valorem as well. He said, well, that's going to go away too. So in other words, think about it. One of the reasons here in Wyoming that you don't have, if you live with me in the state, a state income tax is because of these guys paying all that they do in taxes. But what happens if we raise the rate by up to 30% for their electricity and they have to close down some of those wells? Well, some of that tax money is not coming in, then, is it? Well, who's going to make up the difference? Right. So Deffinger also acknowledged that a large portion of Rocky Mountain Power's proposed increase, 95% of it, according to the company officials, was caused by increased fuel costs and demand related to third-party power purchases amid natural gas price spikes that began around uh, 2022 and continued through the beginning of 2023. But he disagrees with the idea that temporary and extraordinary market conditions should be the basis for long-term increases. So he said, the law requires rates to be just and reasonable. A 30% rate increase on Kirkwood is just not just or reasonable for reasons stated above. He said, I respectfully request the commission approve a lower power rate increase in line with the national inflation rate of 8.8% or 6.6% in 2023. So, okay, um, the story goes on, and it's a really good story from Cowboy State Daily talking about who would be hurt in this. In this story, they mainly focused on those people who are working pipelines, oil, gas, things like that. But there's a lot of other businesses out there that we could probably name. If you and I thought about it for a bit, we could come up with all sorts of other businesses that need to use a lot of electricity. And there's a lot of businesses out there that need to use a lot of electricity. For that matter, now that I think about it, the business I'm in right here. I'm on radio stations around the region. 
each of those radio stations, how do we create our signal? Yeah, electricity. That's how we create our radio signal. Well, if that's the case, and we also provide it for you, because there's a lot of you out there listening off of the app. You're either listening to the show live or you're catching the podcast later. And then how much news and information do we give you off of our apps here? Not just the Wake Up Wyoming app, but your app for your local radio station, local news and information. And all of that is provided by, well, we have uh, servers here, computers and so on. So as a radio and multimedia company in general, we use a lot of electricity. So let's go ahead and raise our rates by up to 30%. Now, this is the company I'm with. Uh, I'm just naming that. But now, think about your media companies around Wyoming. There's more, there's radio stations all over Wyoming. Yeah, that's going to increase their rates. Wyoming has a few television stations. Not a lot, but a few television stations out there. That raises their rates as well. I'm thinking media, but what other businesses, go ask what I'm in, so that's what I think about. What other businesses out there do you think of that use a lot of electricity? Restaurants? How much do you think, if you went to your local grocery store, wherever you live, okay, and I don't care the size, whether it's a major chain store or a local mom and pop store, go to your local grocery store and think about how much that rate increase is going to run you, that store. Or a local restaurant, whatever retail establishment might be. Especially if they have refrigerators running. Or they're cooking on electric, whatever that case may be. What is that rate increase going to do to their bottom line? Yeah, and if you think inflation has been bad up to now. 816 is the time, wake up my own. Polish off that tin hat. You'll need it for this one. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Available on demand on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Eight twenty one is the time. Wake Up Wyoming. So the Wyoming Attorney General says the state's going to sue the Bureau of Land Management over their Rock Springs plan. Now, again, here's another Cowboy State Daily article. Thanks, Leo, for the story. Good one. Um, story says she may know exactly when, or may not know exactly when, but the Wyoming Attorney General Bridget Hill said the state will sue the Bureau of Land Management over its controversial plans to manage 3.6 million acres of southwest Wyoming. She said we're following that. We are keeping up with that. We're interacting with the governor's office related to that. But there will be a time for litigation regarding that, she said. We just have to be patient to get to the right time for that. Interesting how she words that. In October, the story says BLM announced an extension for the comment period on the controversial plan that has been set. It's supposed to be January 17th. That's been set to close on Thursday. So they extended it just a bit. Hill said, state must do its due diligence by properly expressing its concern to the federal government about and could possibly file a lawsuit. She said, so when we engage in that litigation, we're in the best possible position to do so. So along with high profile litigation like potential for the BLM plan, the attorney general office struggled with filling opening jobs. Do you want a job working with the uh, state attorney general? Uh, Well, she's hiring right now. 
So over the past two years, Hill's office has seen a vacancy of 8% to 20% at times. Just uh, for the attorney, she said, it's simple staffing shortages are, are really similar in the district and public defender's offices as well as private law firms throughout the state. Hill said she has been, uh, well, has been more than triple increase in the amount of attorney openings in Wyoming with a few attorneys available for the job. So again, if you want a job with her, just saying. Real possible that she might get into a lawsuit with over the Bureau of Land Manager's plan. About all I can do now is just say, let's just wait and see. Whatever is going to happen, don't know at this point. We'll have to wait to see how she sets herself up and, and goes for this. But I don't think defeating this is just through her office, although that's got to be part of the plan. And it really has to be. Also, lawmakers kill plan to tax property on its market value. Now, this goes to our the problem we've been having here in the state of Wyoming with some people having their property taxes going way up. And we've gone through a lot of discussion on this program as to why and how it goes up and what lawmakers plan to do about it. So last session in the last year in the Wyoming House and Senate, several proposals to rein in property taxes were offered, but they were just getting started and nothing really made it. So here they try again. All right, again, Cowboys Say Daily Story. Despite pleas... For some of Wyoming's most physically conservative legislators, the State Joint Revenue Committee rejected a bill that would have implemented an aggressive approach to property tax reform. So under the legislation, all property would be taxed based on its fair market value January 1st, 2019, or when it was bought. Now, some of you have suggested that to me. What if it, like, you know, I bought my property way back in whatever year? Why can't I be taxed on that value? Not because somebody moved in next door to me and raised, theoretically, raised my property value. So that would have replaced traditional assets or, or, or assessed values. The committee failed on a 7-7 vote, so it split right down the middle. So therefore, it fails. Voting for the measure... And it talks about who voted for and who voted against in the story. Many of the lawmakers of Wyoming residents who supported the bill told the committee about people being priced out of their homes because of drastically escalating property taxes. We all know, we've all been through that. So in Wyoming, property taxes have been at the top of political issues in recent years as they've skyrocketed in some counties. Although the bill was far a far-reaching measure, it also had a few aspects built into it that would weaken the blow for Wyoming's revenue streams. So here's where they worry about if they cut taxes like this, if they cut property taxes like this, what does that do to not just state revenue but local revenue, right? Because on one hand, you're paying property taxes for a reason for where you live, but you don't want to pay too much. Okay, so they want, they worry about cutting it so much that it actually affects how much tax money comes in. One was a stipulation that the fair market value of a property would automatically increase 5% each year after the base value is established. This was important as it worked as both a property tax cap and a measure to fairly factor in some inflation. 
Okay, so they want some... You bought your property, it's valued at what it is for what you paid for it, but then over the years, there's always a little bit of an increase to try to keep up with inflation. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. Uh, they also warned that it could lead to massive tax breaks for the wealthy in Teton County, who have very valuable homes. They said this could lead to more disparity by drawing even more wealthy people to what is already the most expensive county in the country. As originally written, the bill would also have meant a $153 million fiscal impact for 2025, which would annually decrease an $88 million reduction in revenue by 2028. Oh, boy, this gets kind of complicated, right? So not perfect proposal. Probably why it failed 7 to 7. Department of Revenue argued that an aggressive property tax reform bill wasn't ready at this time. She mentioned to the committee how property tax increases have not been universal or equal statewide. So in other words, some of you are complaining that your tax, your property taxes have gone through the roof. Other people have not really seen any rate increase at all. So can we get some kind of legislation that deals with the problem areas? She said, we don't need to make sure the legislation intent is clear before, or we do need to make sure the legislator's intent is clear before we issue such a major change. So you see, again, they're still trying to figure out how to do this, especially because the increases have not been uniform throughout the entire state. So you probably have an idea yourself. I know quite a few of you have called into the program saying, why don't we just do this? Uh, if you think you have a good idea, call your representatives and pitch your idea. Maybe they can go ahead and write it up and see if they can get it through. Right now, though, they're fiddling with ideas, and so far every idea has been rejected. Nobody's come up with a good idea yet. My first thought is uncomplicated, like my book, The Uncomplicated Life. Work from there. Work for the least complex solution. The more complex your tax code is, the worse it's going to be to try to figure out how to fix this problem. It's Wake Up Wyoming. News and weather together at the top and bottom of every hour. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Thirty-six of time. It's wake up, my own. Okay, getting a lot of reaction to the property tax story. And there's a lot to go. It's just your legislators are trying to figure out what to do, and so far, no idea has really passed through. They're trying to figure this out. So, let's see. I'm in right in Evansville. Property tax funds, local government, and schools and community colleges, not the state, but some counties rely on residential taxes way more than they do mineral rich counties. A cut will hammer those counties. Mandy and Kimball, taxes. When we buy our car, food, clothes, you know, we we pay one-time tax. We can't even... Uh, why can't we pay a one-time property tax? Government is out of control. Okay. Let's see. Caleb and Glenrock, the other problem is they're, they always say your property is worth more than what it is. My house, they probably have valued it about $50,000 more than it would actually go for. Well, that's 
good possibility that yeah okay all right so we still have a lot to figure out with this i mean a whole lot to figure out with this we're we're working on it they're working on it this next session by the way is going to be a budget session starts first of the year we'll find out it's supposed to be a budget session we'll find out what they come up with there should be several proposals i hope one of them is good and it goes through all we can really do right now is track it or unless you have a good idea Again, get a hold of your representatives. And I have an idea to reduce property taxes. What if we did this? Okay, so uh, let's get out of state for just a minute, if, if I can. How bad do you think Chicago is? I've got several stories on this. Uh, violence prevents activist calls to end Chicago's migrant sanctuary status. That's one. But hang on, because this gets worse. This is worse than a San Francisco story that I often give you. From the center square, with Chicago's ongoing migrant crisis becoming more pronounced by the day, local activists are calling on the Chicago mayor to reverse policy when it comes to his sanctuary city status. Well, these are cities that said we are a sanctuary city. Virtue signaling, right? Sounded great until they actually had to become a sanctuary city. Now, all of a sudden, they don't want to do this anymore. But hold that thought. I could read more into the story, but hold that thought. They may not have to worry about it too much longer. Because the next story I have up, how bad is it for Chicago? Illegal aliens are returning home to Venezuela. That's how bad it is. Think about that just a minute. The story says, you know, things are not going well when illegal aliens from Venezuela, of all places... Request that they be put on the plane back to Venezuela. That's how bad Chicago has become. Quote, we say, where do you want to go? And we buy them a ticket so they can get out of the country. That's according to Denver Human Services is one place. But Human Services uh, departments, okay. Uh, They provide a spreadsheet showing cities that illegal aliens can be transported to. It's not only, and this is, by the way, your taxpayer money doing this. It's not only sent them to big cities, but smaller places. Like Wilson, North Carolina. Oh, I know Wilson. Not a very big town. Beautiful place, but not a very big town. Okay, so most of them have gone to Chicago, New York, Salt Lake City. It's also sent several hundred migrants to Texas which has bussed about 6,600 to Colorado, according to the governor in Colorado. We feel that is the right thing to do to get them where they eventually want to be. So imagine this. You come to this country illegally, and we're going to go ahead and give you a ticket for a plane or a bus to go where you really want to go. That's your Democrat Party for you. Now, the Chicago Tribune reported on the account of migrants one in particular had a wife, stepdaughter from Venezuela. They came to America to find a better life. However, after several months suffering from homelessness, lack of job opportunities, and you know, it's Chicago. Quote, the American dream doesn't exist anymore. There's nothing here for us. Okay. Uh, I don't, the American dream, let me put that aside for just a minute, because see, the American... The American dream does exist. It does. You got to think about what the American dream actually was and is today. 
the idea that an average person can go ahead and get a piece of property and call it their own, can put a home on that piece of property, can start their own business if they want to do that. And whatever they create and produce belongs to them. And so if they want to work hard and get stinking rich, they can do it. If they are happy being average middle class or somewhere around there, they can go ahead and do that. Did you want to pursue your dreams, whatever that might be? You can pursue your dreams and your goals and lead a good life. That's the American dream. So does that exist? Yeah, sure does. But they left Venezuela and they said, well, we're going to go to Chicago and then what? What was what was their plan exactly? I think the American dream exists, just bad plan. I understand fleeing Venezuela. I get running from Venezuela. But now that you're in America, what exactly was the plan? So don't tell me the American dream doesn't exist. It certainly does. Now, next one. Let's go down to Denver. Hey, Colorado, you're up on this one. Sanctuary City, Denver, spends millions flying and busing illegal aliens everywhere. This is part of what I was just telling you about. The sanctuary city of Denver, Colorado, is spending millions of local taxpayer money to provide newly arrived border crossings and illegal aliens with flights and tickets out of state. Records obtained by CBS Colorado revealed Denver officials have spent almost about $4.5 million in taxpayer money thus far for about 12,000 border crossers. Now, this is, by the way, they're also a sanctuary city. They virtue signal by saying, we are a sanctuary city. Is this what a sanctuary city is? Sounded great when they said it, but now that they have to do it. While most are being given free bus tickets to leave Denver, some border crossers and illegal aliens have been awarded free flights at the cost of about $115,000 so far in the past five months alone. Again, where do you want to go? We'll get you there. Finally, This is a good website. It's called Just the News. It's a good website if you want Just the News. They actually do a good job at this. Illegals in U.S. could cost taxpayers about $451 billion per year, according to a House GOP report. Story says caring for illegal aliens currently within the United States could cost American taxpayers about $451 billion per year according to a House Republican report. Originally obtained by the New York Post, the 49-page report entitled The Historic Dollar Costs of DHS Secretary Mayorkas' Open Border Policies became public. On the same day, the House voted to refer the resolution to impeach him. Mayorkas has uh, been ranked among the Republicans' top targets of the Biden administration, it says. It says every day millions of American taxpayer dollars are spent on costs directly associated with illegal immigration and an unprecedented crisis on the southwest border sparked by the Department of Homeland Security. Mass illegal immigration accelerated by Mayorkas' open border policy now represents a massive cost to the federal government, and that would be you, the taxpayers. Boy, that's a, I bet you that's a low ball number, too. 845. Let's wake up, Wyoming. When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up, Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio.
848 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox where Frank Gambino is waiting by. So, Frank, I know that you've heard about the intergalactic spaceport in Green River, Wyoming. I've heard about it, but I haven't been there, and there's no scheduled flights from Casper to go there. No, no whatsoever, no. Well, okay. I've covered the story several times. Now, I did finally put something in. I put in another detail of the story this morning on the Wake Up Wyoming site. First off, it was started, remember uh, back, this is a couple of decades ago, when the Internet was new, you know. Mm-hmm. It, there was Jupiter being hit by a comet that had broken up into a series of smaller comets. Right. And it was just being nailed one after the next. Yeah. So in Green River City Council decided, look, uh, we have this little runway out here. If anyone from Jupiter needs a place to hang while this happens, this disaster, you can come here. So they named it the Green River Intergalactic Spaceport. Right. Now, if you go out there, people have put – there's like a Jeep with a mannequin of a space alien and various mm-hmm. signs have popped up. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just a grass strip at the top of a hill is all that <laughs> is, right? Okay. That's, that's all the Jupiterians need. Yes. All right. Now, we also do have another spaceport unofficially in Wyoming. You might have seen the documentary, Close Encounters of the Third Right, Time. right there. But the government, power, yeah. yeah, but the government doesn't want to talk about that one. So – because I like to fly, as you know, there is a special kind of a map called a sectional chart for pilots okay. to let us know where the airports are, the highways in the sky, all sorts of other information, mm-hmm. right? So I thought, let's do one better to all the other stories that I have here. So I zoomed in, and I find that the FAA has a sense of humor. They do. On the sectional chart is a listing for what is known by the airport identifier as 48U or uniform, right? Okay. All right. And above that is written Greater Green River Intergalactic Spaceport. Oh, so it's as an official name. The FAA. The FAA did that. Actually put that on their map. Do they have a control tower? No. It's just a Grass dirt field. strip at the top of a hill. They well, flattened the top of the hill. There you go. There's your dirt strip. Okay. Well, yes. if the FAA says it's okay, it's okay it's with there. me. Yes. Now, if, for anyone who would like to see this on the official sectional chart for pilots, the story is up on the Wake Up Wyoming website, and I show you the exact you can take a look at. It. Which, now, Frank, that makes it official. The, uh, is the spaceport available to land and take off to Earthlings or just aliens? Earthlings. I can show you videos of Earthling giving it a go. Why not? Alrighty then. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will try and pick up the pieces again after a 34-14 road loss to UNLV to drop them to 6-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three in Mountain West play. The Cowboys will host Hawaii this week, and the Warriors are 4-7 and seven on the year, 2-4 and four in league play. The Cowboys were just listless in that first quarter of that UNLV game as the Rebels put 21 points on the board and really didn't show much in the fourth quarter either. And the head coach is responsible for getting guys ready to play, but Craig Bull made a point here that that's actually pretty valid that the players need to get with it and be ready to go i.e the disastrous game at boise state and now the unlv game hey where's your captains and your seniors to straighten this out on the right side the cowboys are bowl eligible but they've been stuck in neutral lately uw is favored by 13 and a half points for saturday's game that starts at noon we'll have that for you on k2 radio and casper and kowb in laramie national football league the denver broncos are four and five on the year after a 24 22 row win over buffalo the bills must have thought it was christmas because they gave the 
the game away thanks to stupid penalties. The biggest miscue was 12 men on the field on a late field goal attempt by the Broncos' Will Lutz, which he missed from 41 yards out. Hey, the Broncos would have won if they would have had 11 men on the field. Well, the penalty gave Lutz another chance from 36 yards out, and he made it to win the game. Broncos have also found some traction. as quarterback Russell Wilson has played better. He's 24-29 for 192 yards and two touchdowns. The Bills are 5-5. Five and five. They are just absolutely mediocre this year, and it's very, very disappointing for a team that has all this talent, and they're just were sloppy. Turned the ball over four times. Quarterback Josh Allen threw two picks. He was 15-26 for 177 yards. It was just bad, bad football from that team in a lot of respects. Women's college basketball at the Division One level, the Wyoming Cowgirls will be on the road to meet Denver University tonight. Cowgirls lost to Nebraska back on Friday in Laramie, 71-52. The execution of that game for UW not very crisp. Both teams are 1-1. One one. That's a 6 p.m. start from DU tonight. Juco basketball, the Casper College men lost 2 out of 3 in the College of Southern Idaho tournament over the weekend. They were beaten by Yavapai, Arizona, 84-83. Southern Idaho, 80-68, but beat Community Christian, 114-62. They're 3-3 three three on the year. They'll be at Snow College in Utah on Friday. Casper College women lost to NJC from Sterling, Colorado their last time out, so they're 75-51. and 51. They're 1-2 and two on the year. They will host NJC on Friday at the Erickson Gym. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go out there and land at the spaceport to say that I did it. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and you know, do they have like an FBO there? Or? No, it's just a dirt strip at the top of a hill. No terminal, no nothing, hangar, nothing, no nothing. No. To go get a cup of coffee. There's a hill. They flattened it. There you go. <laughs> That's it. International Spaceport, Wyoming style. Hey, come, come on, you got to put a restaurant or a Something bar over see, there. I would put a restaurant there. That'd be great, right? But yeah. Uh, all right, coming up on some local business we have to take care. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. God walk. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It's a Tuesday. All right, so I'm going to go out of state for the next couple of stories because it's worth taking a look at. The reason, one of the reasons I, I pick on some of these other states is because I can then turn and say and take a look at how we're doing it here compared to what's going on. Not perfect. If you're with me out west, not perfect out here. Nothing is. There is no such place as perfect. Doesn't happen that way. Doesn't work that way. But far better job being done out here than there, which is why I love it. He doesn't call often, but our friend, I'll put that in air quotes, Dave from San Francisco, calls from San Francisco to tell us why they're doing it right and how we should do it here in Wyoming, which always just is hysterical to me. Well, on that note, real quick, let's head out to San Francisco to take a look at the latest...
going to meet some gentle people there in San Francisco. And here's the latest. Of course, because the dictator from China is showing up, Xi Jinping, they clean up San Francisco as fast as they can. I, they did. Oh, it was Seattle, too, places like that. But wherever he's going to be. Right? Of course, they got it in Seattle, Washington, I know. But they have to get out. I put up a meme yesterday. If you remember the movie Soylent Green, the earth is overpopulated and there is this, well, the streets are just a mess. They want to clean up the streets, so they send down these big dump trucks with shovels on the front that scoop up people in large number and dump them in the back of the truck. They are then taken off to the factory where they become the latest food product for everybody, Soylent Green. Well... That was my meme, that this is them getting ready for Xi Jinping. Here's the latest. A Czech from Czechoslovakia television crew was robbed while covering the annual Asian Pacific Economic Conference in San Francisco. The journalist told the San Francisco Chronicle he was getting a shot of the city. In fact, City Lights Bookstore, a very famous bookstore there. When three masked assailants approached, guns pointed. Now, that can't be possible. You know his story can't be true. Because California, especially places like San Francisco, they have gun control. So he could not have been approached by men with guns, right? Because they have gun control. So that's not possible. Anyway, they were heading at my cameraman, aiming a gun at his stomach. And one at my head, he added. The incident happened around 5 p.m. on Sunday. Why? On a Sunday? They have no respect. San Francisco Police Department confirmed its investigation, armed robbery. They're not going to find anything. Too much happens. Officers told media outlet a vehicle stopped on the street. Three armed men exited the car, approached the group. The news crew complied, losing about $18,000 worth of equipment. And all of the work, all of the video they had shot from walking around that day. Quote, thank you very much for the support we received where we kept shooting. No, not the guns. The The news crew got local support from local media so they can get out there and finish their job. All right, then it goes and talks about the summit. Now, let's move from there to a different part of California. Gavin Newsom's California. Yesterday, I told you about this time. I was looking at the ridiculously large television they put in the studio with me. I kept looking over at the television going, that's a, that's a big fire. What is that fire? Well, in Los Angeles, California. Now, let, let me back up so you know why I pronounce things the way that I do. San Francisco. That's because when Dave calls, he's kind of snooty. And he tells us why San Francisco is so much better than where we are. That's why I say it that way. As far as Los Angeles, California... My childhood hero was Bugs Bunny. And Bugs Bunny said, San, oh, he, he said Los Angeles. He also pronounced Albuquerque, Albuquerque. Right? So I grew up thinking that that's the way those things were pronounced. And don't tell me that my childhood hero was wrong. That's fight, them's fighting words right there. Okay. So here we go to Los Angeles, California, where they have all these freeways, and a lot of them are raised up. I mean, miles and miles worth of highway, raised up above. That's why so many people 
camp underneath. Well, for homeless people, at least they got a roof over their head. It might be noisy, but there's a big roof up there. Well, this is one area where several roads came together and came on down to the ground. And so it's a perfect place to store things, which is what was happening. That's what caught on fire. The story says, Gavin Newsom should have kept the street cleaning and fire hoses running out of that area of Los Angeles. When he was sprucing up San Francisco, he said, and he says, well, if you think about it, that whole area where the fire broke out, that's where they had been, the city had been storing pallets, wooden pallets, cars, fuel, all sorts of things. So the city was actually using it as a storage area underneath this overpass. Turns out the fire was probably because of a homeless person. Here's one story. Everyone blaming the homeless for the fire that took out I-10 LA. How about the fact that there is a pallet storage storage unit as well as some other things under there? Well, yeah, the, the city gated off. This is where, again, the raised highway comes down to the ground. And so they gated off that area on three sides. They already have a roof. They have the the freeway above. They gated off three sides with just some fencing and then started storing all sorts of things under there. Wooden pallets, vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody decides to go ahead and set them all on fire. Here's one tweet someone put out. We buy pallets. Curious about why a big conflagration under downtown LA. Let's see where the street view it offers a dystopian landscape. Who could imagine that it would turn into, well, the fire that it did? And there's pictures here before the fire happened of all of the stuff that was being stored under there. So sooner or later somebody, somebody homeless is going to probably try to build a camp in the area which is what happened. And then a fire is going to happen. Now, whether the fire was set intentionally to do damage or was just a mistake by a homeless person, I don't know. But I looked at that and thought, I can't imagine that the thing just spontaneously combusted. It was such a hot fire did damage to the bridge or overpass, if you will. Now we got to clean up that mess, which is what this has become probably the best song, the best parody song put out by Babylon B. To the Beach Boys. Wish we all could leave California now. And we're back. Sorry, we were busy tricking pescatarians into eating Rocky Mountain oysters. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Nine twenty-one's the time. So these two stories relate to each other, even though it's completely different countries. Let's start with New York City here in the good old U.S. of A. New York residents could face skyrocketing heating bills under the state's new green policies. They may not even have any significant, well, they're not going to have any significant impacts on what they call greenhouse gas emissions. 
that false idea that CO2 is a greenhouse. Well, it is a greenhouse gas, but it's one of the least of them. And no, it's not causing catastrophic climate change. But all right. A review by the Empire City Public Policy Center says the state's new rules would push homeowners to buy expensive electrified heat pumps while being forced to phase out their natural gas, oil, and propane systems. But even then, the new electrification policy would have such a minor impact on CO2 while burning up the homeowners' wallets, according to the analysis. Now, here again... The people that run New York City don't care. They just don't care. Because they were told that this was going to help save the planet. So everybody has to do it. No matter, doesn't matter if it works or not. Doesn't matter how expensive it is. Okay, then there's this one. Let's go across the pond. We're going to go to the UK. Heat pumps, the same system, are too loud to be installed in millions of homes under the government's noise guidelines. So you see, they want everybody to get these heat pumps in so they can get rid of, again, natural gas and systems like that for heating their home and cooking and so on. But they also have a noise ordinance. All right. The government wants to install some 600,000 heat pumps by 2028 to hit net zero targets, which is impossible to do, by the way. But a report by sound specialist warns, well, this is going to be really loud. The study reveals most heat pumps are too loud for many homes built in areas where they have terraces, houses, and flats because it would break the noise limits set for homeowners who want to install one without, well, there's people who are, everybody's waiting for a government grant to install one as well. They don't want to do it on their own money. Local authorities are also braced for a rise in noise complaints as more of the so-called green appliances are installed in urban areas, according to the Telegraph newspaper out there. And the finding, which were produced by a group of noise experts, have been sent to the government for review. Air source heat pumps, which are positioned outside the home, can produce low-cost hum between 40 and 60 decibels, which is similar to the level of noise made by a refrigerator or a dishwasher that's humming away. They will typically run continuously throughout the winter. In order to qualify for the government grant, heat pumps installations must comply with regulations. And it talks about all the different regulations, but also noise regulations. But you see... The heat pumps are a bit louder than noise regulations call for. Now, you might think, well, you got a dishwasher. How loud is a dishwasher? I mean, it's just one dishwasher, right? Okay. Now you have a neighborhood full of them, and they're all outside. What does your quiet neighborhood sound like now? Yet the report, which was presented by the Institute of Acoustics, yes, there is such a thing, the Institute of Acoustics, at a conference found that the top of the heat pump of for the five manufacturers, not one of their devices was below what was considered to be suitable. Hmm. Okay. Um, now let's head back to New York City again. Well, first off, this is expensive, really expensive. There's no way anybody in the UK's middle class is going to be able to do this without heavy government subsidies. And like the United States, the UK is 
pretty well broke. So I don't know where all this money is supposed to come from. Right. All right. Now, this story here, see, who is this? A good website, if you want to check it out, called Just the News. And they're really trying to just give you news stories, not the same old garbage you get from everywhere else. So a state's judge in New York ordered New York City to stop issuing taxi licenses to new vehicles went into effect Monday. Amid an escalating fight over expanding the city's fleet of four higher electric vehicles. So you see, they want cabs to be all electric. The ruling by acting Supreme Court Justice sweetens the uh, lawsuit filed by New York Taxi Workers Alliance, which represents taxi medallion owners and drivers seeking to block the move by the city taxi and limousine commission to issue licenses for every vehicle uh, uber lyft any other one because you see in new york everything has to be heavily regulated everything everybody the plaintiffs argue the new policy dismantles uh, the guardrails that is the city has set to prevent over the issue of licensing having this is bureaucracy i mean heavy bureaucracy here so they're trying to get something done, but they can't be, they want to get something done. They use bureaucracy to get it done, but the bureaucracy prevents them from getting done. The rule expanding the number of taxi medallions for electric vehicles is key for their climate change plans, which has been called for the making of New York's massive taxi fleet by 2030 to be pretty much all electric. So beginning in 2024, not far away, New York City will require 5% of all high volume for higher trips to be electric vehicles. Uber and Lyft, which combined to have about 78,000 rideshare vehicles in New York City, have committed to the shift for an e-vehicle fleet. This is not going to work out the way they thought. Well, let me, let me give you an idea why. I played this earlier this morning, but I'm going to go back and, and play this again. So this is a gentleman with Climate Depot. Okay. And let me see. Uh, Pole to green energy. Okay. He talks here about everything that is that they're trying to do through heavy subsidies and regulations. That's failing. It is in complete collapse around the world. Because green energy is collapsing, no one's really noticing. And when I say green energy is collapsing, I mean there's at least a dozen major offshore wind projects on the U.S. East Coast belly up. This is despite massive subsidies, massive tax credits, massive bans of their competition, i.e. fossil fuels. They can't make it work. They can't even get a profit. Then you have the electric car collapse, both in Europe and the United States. Remember, they're banning gas-powered cars. Never a vote of Congress. Congress, no vote of anyone anywhere. I mean, even California, the, the heart, this epicenter of this California legislator never voted. This was all done by executive order, unelected bureaucrats, corporate government collusion. You have banks saying they won't give out car loans. You have the World Bank saying they're going to defund electric cars. We now have the CEOs of just about every major Western automaker from Mercedes to Volkswagen to Ford. Christ, they're all saying EVs, this is not working. They're piling up on our lots. We are hemorrhaging money. And as they're saying this, they're looking at the next 10 years and all the mandates are coming in more. Government doesn't care. This is an ideology like the Soviet Union. It's like, it's like an old Soviet playbook. You're studying Soviet central planning. They're going forward with this statutorily in our books. But finally, we're getting the CEOs to come back. So just not working out, but they're going to just keep on pushing despite what anybody thinks, despite what the marketplace is showing. Coming up on 930 Local News, weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming.
Wisconsin. It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS. Thirty-six at time. Wake up, Wyoming. Wait, I, I want to get into this real quick, but I'll probably spend some more time on it later this week. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of school choice, homeschool, school choice. Okay, well, American Federation of Teachers president, her name is Randy Weingarten. Boy, she got an earful and posted an article on the rise of homeschooling in America, where she said, "What's behind the increase in homeschooling?" Well, I t- tell you what. I'll go to a Fox News report here, and I'll just play part of it so you can hear exactly what she said. Because apparently, if you want to homeschool, it's because you're racist. Randy Weingarten is going after parents again. This time, she's calling the fight for school choice racist. Those same words that you heard in terms of warning segregation post-Brown v. Board of Education, those same words you hear today. I was talking to Southern Poverty Law Center, and they showed me the same words, choice, parental rights, and attempt to divide parents versus teachers. In that point, it was white parents parents versus other parents. But it's the same kind of words. And another big teachers union boss is causing controversy. Chicago Teachers Union President Stacey Davis Gates is defending her choice to send her son to a private school despite bashing school choice as racist in the past. You've likened in the past private schools of today to quote segregation academies of the Jim Crow South. Why then send your child to a private school? I didn't speak out against private schools. I spoke out against school choice. School choice and private schools are two different entities. You chose to take your child out of public school for a sports program at a private school. Why not afford that nuance to the families? They want the same choice that you were able to afford to give to your child. Number one, I have three children and all three children have attended public school and my youngest two are still public school students. Don't you love hypocrisy like that? I Don't you just absolutely love when you hear hypocrisy like that? And when she tries to make the argument, school choice and private schools are two entirely different entities. No, they're the same thing. You choose to send your kid to a private school or you choose to homeschool. And the reason I'm in favor of vouchers is we've set aside money to follow the kid so the kid can get an education. So let the parents decide where to go. I just, it has yet, I, I don't get it. Why anyone would want to force people to go to public schools, especially if those public schools are failing, but the private schools, the charter schools, the home schools are doing so much better, why would you be opposed to this? But apparently they want to make any argument against it that they can, including, well, that's racist. Okay, well, if it's so racist, why are you doing it? I would love to know. But don't forget now... Government can solve you can all your problems. With a twinkle in their eye. A twinkle in their eye. Take it all away and give it to some other guy. The government. The government. The government can. The government can. And who can tax the sunrise? Who can tax the sunrise? Who can tax the trees? Who can tax the trees? Let your own. The government. the government, oh, the government can, the government can, and the government can, cause they mix it up with lies and make it all taste good. 
Constitution. Throw away the Constitution. And who can give a bailout? Tell us to behave. And make the founding fathers roll over in the grave. The government. Especially that last lady that I just had you listen to. Massive hypocrisy there. Look, um, here's a rule that I made for myself. Because I'm allowed to make rules for myself. I don't like when other people make rules for me. But I can make rules for myself. I will be more than happy to do what these people say as soon as they do what they say. How about that? You live by your own rules. The ones that you demand that we live by... You live the same kind of lifestyle. You demand that we live. And, hey, uh, maybe, you know, I'll consider doing it too. How about that? But I know I'd never have to worry about it because you're, again, lying hypocrites. I'd love it when Gouli eyes Ocasio-Cortez. We need to get gas stoves out of people's homes. And while she's saying this, she's talking on a live video stream from her kitchen where right there behind her in her kitchen is a gas stove. Now, her answer to this was, well, it came with the apartment, period. Uh-huh. Well, you don't have to use it. You can put an electric stove on just a burner on top of that and use your electric burner, period. No, as, as long as the hypocrisy continues, I don't have to do anything they say. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Take Glenn anywhere with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Forty-eight of time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Bring Gambino's waiting by. Uh, Frank, sometimes you know people go ahead and put up displays in stores that are just uh, <clears throat> unfortunate. Yeah, some yeah. are good, some yes, are bad, uh, some, some yeah. are tasteless. Didn't mean to be sometimes tasteless, but like for example, if you go to a Lowe's to buy hardware wherever you're going to get it loads. Yeah. And they will give you these nice buckets that you usually see at construction sites. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you go to a grocery store and you grab a basket for food. But they'll give you a bucket. They give you a bucket, right? Okay. <clears throat> Someone put up a nice tall stack of buckets. Just like when you walk in a grocery store, you grab a basket, here's a tall stack of buckets. 
right in front of a sign that says, your dream bathroom starts here. <laughs> right in the bucket. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Now, there was a, another sign that I saw at a, I think this was uh, not Lowe's, but one of the other big box stores, right? Home Depot, something like that. And there was a toilet at just your regular that you would have in your home bathroom, right, yeah. for sale. And it said, uh, ask an employee for a demonstration. I don't want a demonstration. No, I don't think I really no, no, do. No, no, no. I don't want no, 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 no. So I would think before you do it, you put up a display and you're thinking, this is great. Oh, I really like this display. Boy, I can't, boss is going to be so proud of it. Before you walk away, grab somebody else. Yeah, or dig deep into your warped yes. part of your mind. Oh, my God. I, yeah, if yeah. you can think warped for a minute and say, yes. you know, if somebody might take that the wrong way yes. and they're warped, like, it, well, I'm uh-huh. going to prevent that and not be warped. Is somebody going to just picture yourself stopping in front of that display, <laughs> taking a picture of it and putting it on social media, yeah. making a meme out of it? Could this display be a meme? It could be. And whoever put that display together might get hired by somebody else uh, yeah. to do exactly that. It's that kind of a thing. Sometimes those memes, though, personally, I mean, I when I, I run some retail, you know, and I've done stuff like that just because I knew it would get a laugh. It's yeah. good publicity. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, any, in fact, I had, I many years ago, this is like in my early, early, like I was like 20 years old and I ran a, I was a manager of a yogurt shop. Oh, really? Yeah. And I put on the marquee out front, Elvis was seen here. Okay. Now, that had all sorts of customers coming in. What do you mean Elvis was seen here? And, of course, I had made up some absurd story. And while they were there, they bought some yogurt. There you go. See, that's good marketing here. National Football League from last night, the Denver Broncos. Well, it's better to be lucky than good. They are four and four and five on the year after a 24-22 road win over Buffalo. The Bills must have thought it was Christmas because they gave the game away with stupid penalties. The biggest miscue was 12 men on the field on a late field goal attempt by Will Lutz, and he missed from 41 yards out. However, that penalty gave Lutz another chance from 36 yards out, and he made it to win the game. Broncos have found some traction as quarterback Russell Wilson has played better. With a, he was 24 of 29 for 100. 92 yards and two touchdowns. The Bills are 5-5 five and five and by far the most disappointing team in the NFL considering all the talent they have. They were sloppy. They turned the ball over four times. Quarterback Josh Allen threw two interceptions. He was just 15 of 26 for 177 yards. That was bad football from that team in a lot of respects. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will try and pick up the pieces again after a 34-14 road loss to UNLV to drop them to 6-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three in Mountain West play. Folks will host Hawaii this week. The Warriors are four and seven on the year, two and four in league play. Cowboys were just listless in that first quarter as UNLV had uh, 21 points in that opening quarter, and Cowboys didn't show much in the fourth quarter either. And the head coach is responsible for getting guys ready to play, but Craig Bowl made a good point that said, "Hey, you know the players need to get with this, and they need to be ready to play too." I.e., the disastrous game at Boise State, and now the UNLV game. On the right side, the Cowboys are bull eligible, but they've been stuck in neutral lately. Just ask Texas A&M. 
And UW is favored by 13.5 points for Saturday's game. That starts at noon. We'll have that for you on KG Radio in Casper and KOWB in Laramie. Women's College hoops at the Division One level. The Wyoming Cowgirls on the road tonight at Denver University. The Cowgirls lost to Nebraska back on Friday in Laramie, 71-52, and they did not execute all that well in that game, so they're one-on-one. Juco basketball, six Casper uh, College have lost two out of three in the in the College of Southern Idaho tournament over the weekend. They were beaten by Yavapai, Arizona, and Southern Idaho, and then beat Community Christian, so they're three and three on the year. They'll be at Snow College in Utah on Friday. Casper College women's team lost to NJC from Sterling their last time out, so they're one and two on the year. They'll host NJC on Friday at the Erickson Gym. The LCCC men's basketball team, three and one. They lost to Western Nebraska on Wednesday at overtime, 110-105. Golden Eagles will be at Lavar tonight. The LCCC women's basketball team, two and two, losing to Western Nebraska their last time out, and they will be in the Utah Eastern Tournament later on this week. I want to get a sports commentator like you to follow me around my entire day. Oh, okay. Calling out things like, oh, did you see that parking that he did yeah. here? Not even between the lines does he call that Come good on. parking. I can't even do that. Oh I, the thing is that when you when you you operated a shoe store, right? Yes. I just think of when I think of that, I think of Al Bundy. Uh, what now? My shoe store was much bigger. Oh. Did you ever go to the one uh, over at the mall here? Oh, like called, Shoe Carnival or, or whatever no, it is? No, home uh, uh, shoe, shoe department. Yeah, Shoe Department, yeah. I ran the prototype for that store. Oh, okay. And it was actually bigger than that. Wow. So take that, Frank. All right, I will take and, that. And that's when I had a real job. Now I do this. Yes. Just wake up mm-hmm. my own.